Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Erin Palmer, and today I am joined by the lovely Grace. Hello, Grace. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you're here. This is going to be a fun topic today. I'm excited. Yes. It's going to be a good time. Yes. Well, why don't you introduce that lovely topic to us? Um, We're going to go over, well, the original bit, which is Big Fish, a novel of mythic proportions written by Mm -hmm. Daniel Wallace in 1998. Ooh, so good. I love that name, Mythic Proportions. It's a very cute title. I love that. Yes. It really (laughs) gives a clue of what you're going to get into too. Mm -hmm, For sure. (laughs) Yeah. And our adaptation is called Big Fish, Just Big Fish, which is directed by Tim Burton in 2003. And it is starring Ewan McGregor, Billy Crudup, Albert Finney, Jessica Lange, Danny DeVito, Steve Buscemi, Helena Bonham Carter, and many, many, many other amazing actors. Really, really good crew. And obviously, like, it's Tim Burton, so he picks really good casts. Also, Mm -hmm. he is always with Helena Bonham Carter, so that's not a mystery at all. (laughs) Nope. Oh, my gosh. Well, before we get started, spoiler alert, lots of spoilers that we're going to be getting into. We're talking about this in depth, so if you do not want things spoiled, please hit pause, watch the movie, read the book, come back, and then deep dive with us. Um, And before we get started, Miss Grace... Are you pro-source or are you pro-adaptation? I'm pro-source. Yes. Do you want to give a little like teaser as to why? Um, I just found that the overall like themes of the book came through differently. um, And I liked, it felt more light to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. Awesome. Well, without further ado, Miss Grace, could you give us a synopsis, please? All right. So Big Fish is about a man, William, who is telling the story of his father, Edward Bloom, who is dying of an unnamed terminal illness. William feels Edward is never serious and wants to see the real Edward, what his father was really like, rather than just the unbelievable stories and the facade of jokes that he hides behind. The book kind of jumps from telling dad's story in sequential order to like to the present Mm -hmm. um and the present really revolves around his dad's like dying bed so Mm. yeah yeah it's a amazingly powerful story for it being kind of a I don't know like simplistic is the right word but it's a very it almost seems like just like a book of prose but it's short stories but it's all like about his life kind of in sequence which is it's a very very interesting format yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it seems like it's really digestible for anybody to read, but really deals with like some heavy things if you think yeah, go past it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, kind of prompt questions for you. So, what kind of stood out to you about the book? What did you like? What did you dislike? Was there any themes? Like tell me everything. Um, I really liked how they dealt with terms of morality and death in this book um Mm. just they did a really good job of like communicating what it is to also live with someone who has terminal illness Mm -hmm. where they like have the four different death scenes and and each one is like a year apart is kind of what it seems like and Mm -hmm. each one 
the doctor's like, this could be the end. Like, make sure you all say your goodbyes. And they all say their goodbyes. But then they're back a year later, kind of doing the same thing when it's in a rough patch. Mm. But then he overcomes it. And so they really did a good job of showing those connections, I thought. Mm -hmm. And then I liked how they told, like, really showed um, just father, like, son relationships, but also daughter there's a lot of themes of like stressed relationships with your father and how even like they communicated that his dad, Edward, had a hard time with his father. Um, mm -hmm. And they kind of did a good job of showing that generational um, strain that can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really liked that. That was connectable. Um, and I think that they did a really good job of showing that like everyone's a storyteller. It was a big theme. Every character kind of told stories in their own way. And we're all just kind of living a life of exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just like a life of hyperboles, which is kind of a great way to think of just how do you make your life interesting without going overboard. But I think that William or not William with Edward, um, the whole point of his life is he wants to be bigger than life. Like he wants to be this infamous, like never ending story. And his life is all very fantastical. I mean, it's like the the title says it, a novel of mythic proportions. Yeah. So I do, I do love how they had set up all these stories of his life, which parts of it, you're like, okay, I can see where like the reality is and then where it kind of like takes a curveball and turns into this really fun little folklore tale almost. Like there's things yes. you're like, well, that can't be real. But then you start to question like maybe there is some truth to that, but it's obviously kind of blown out of proportion on purpose yeah. to make it sound fantastical. It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. And then, yeah, and like everyone kind of does it. And so – and it's fun. But then I also really like how the stories get corroborated by people. Like that's where you find that truth in it. Because mm -hmm. like I think his mom or like some other people were like, oh, yeah, no, that's accurate. And like would yeah. say that that really happened. And so then it left you questioning even more like where that, yeah, the line of truth and not truth is. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. It is, it is very interesting because I, I liked how – they bounced around a little bit between, oh, we're back to Edward's story. And then they jump mm -hmm. over to, you know, real time or present day, if you want to call it that, of, you know, the deathbed and then what's like his discussions with his father and what he's going through mm -hmm. and then bouncing back and forth between that and the story. So it, it almost felt like not, I guess, kind of like a diary, but yeah, uh, more like somebody's just like watching a film of their <laughs> of their father's <laughs> life going by, and you're like, "Well, we're gonna watch this now." It's like highlight yeah. this, and it was. I really liked the feel of it, but it really did feel like just a compilation of short stories because the book the book was like actually broken down by like this is one story. It's got its own title, mm -hmm. and this is all we're gonna talk about is this one story, and then the next story is its own title and its own section. So some of them were quite long, and others were like a page. So yeah, I liked how they did that. I did too. Like they're like we're gonna talk about him with animals, and then it was mm -hmm. just like I think a one-page blip about how animals like flocked to him, kind of like Snow White. It made me think of <laughs> yeah. like they just follow him around or whatever. Um, yeah, 
yeah and so (laughs) that was fun I did like that it did bring in a lot of it was a good way to be able to see a lot of the character like Mm -hmm. be able to explore more than just a sequential storyline where Mm -hmm. it's all narrative um you just got to see like these random little blips of story Mm -hmm. um which I really liked yeah I guess that kind of makes me want to prompt the question to you. What did you think of the character Edward Bloom? <laughs> well, I like liked him and then kind of didn't like him just because when he goes into Spectre and he is with Jenny, mm-hmm. he's like left his family behind to go like have this other wife and then I was like what (laughs) and that really irks me that's like a a personal thing but Mm -hmm. I mean I'm sure no one likes a cheater but I was just like "Uh, uh, (laughs) Um, yeah so and then that kind of like left me more of a middle ground with him and then um, as they explained more about kind of him as a father and like not being around and like how that kind of affected their relationship that was like a hard pill to swallow like understandable but it just showed like a he was a really complex character mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day i think i liked him we'd get along you know <laughs> yeah i'd be like yeah tell me your story for the fifth time this is <laughs> it's a good one <laughs> yeah i think edward bloom is He's he is a really complex character because you have all these amazing stories and he is a really good storyteller because the I guess from the book perspective, I can't. What are your thoughts on this? Like, do you think that the book was the story was being told from Edward Bloom's point of view and it was him recalling? Or do you think that this was actually William, the son who was recalling the stories that were told to him? You know, it seemed like a little bit of both at times. Mm-hmm. I think that like, but mostly I think I would say that like it was Edward Bloom's words and like kind of point of view even, I mm-hmm. think. That's a good question. Yeah, because sometimes you you're, think? I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of torn. I felt like in the beginning of it, I felt like it was more of William just recalling stories that his father had told yeah. over the years. But then there are certain parts that it does seem like it is just Edward either writing it down or recalling yeah. his own life to a certain extent. But I felt like it was supposed to kind of feel like it was coming from the sun because the beginning and like him experiencing his father on his deathbed, like a lot of that perspective is from the sun. Yeah. So I think we're supposed to like be identifying with the sun, kind of like writing down his father's storytelling yeah. while also experiencing trying to get to know his father before he passes right like maybe he can like parse out some things if he can write everything down mm-hmm. I think you're right um it has that feel but it's hard to to tell yeah it does have a feel <laughs> and it's, it's hard to tell because sometimes it seems like the way that it's the stories are framed it seems like it's Edward trying to kind of like make himself seem bigger than life but at Mm -hmm. the same time it's like well that's how he tells all his stories so maybe that's kind of the point right is all of his stories are like that so it doesn't matter if it's Edward telling it or not that's the takeaway from everybody who hears his stories right 
yeah, everyone has that like storytelling ability. So maybe even if they heard a story and they're going to tell it, they're going to also tell it with some grandiose and things. Yes. <laughs> like, I think even his mother's dad was like the storyteller and starting to slightly lose his mind, I guess, and like mm-hmm. believed some of his own stories. And then I was like, well, I guess that's why she married him. Like, <laughs> she loves a good story and she probably tells a good story too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think of um, Edward and trying to like basically win the heart of his present day wife? Oh, yeah. That, that whole I was like, <laughs> I wrote down, I was like, kind of stalkerish for a little bit there. Like, yeah. he's like, I just, I was content with watching her. And then I started to follow her around and like, <laughs> yeah. would try to bump into her. And I was like, okay, just say hi. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> she's going to find out you were following her for weeks and be like, what? Um, and it's a different <laughs> time. It's different time. Yeah. We're assuming like, <laughs> 50s I think is roughly what we're assuming that era would be um yeah yeah it's (laughs) I mean parts of it were cute yeah parts of of it were like oh that's really sweet like young love Uh, Mm -hmm. and then there's other parts where he's like an absolute like kind of a jackass to Uh the actual current fiance but then the actual like fiance at the time is also kind of a jackass yes so Yeah, I also was like, okay, here's some like macho masculinity coming out. Mm-hmm. These two are like, mm-hmm. the whole conversation was annoying for me. He's like, she's mine. And then he's like, I didn't know she belonged to anybody. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like, this is, um, I don't know, just not like an impressive story to me having the whole like fight over the fiance and mm-hmm. she was just like very like laissez-faire when they finally like came to a fight <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah scream okay. at one of them or something i, I don't something. know yeah. <laughs> stop it i was like getting scared and then they started fighting I was like oh i knew it yep <laughs> yeah and there's like a lot of weird little things that they threw in there where you know he has to like go get the witch's eye and then he like ends up bringing the witch to the barn and so he's like well you said bring the eye it's here like weird yeah. little stories like that where it's like what yeah it's almost like Aesop's fables where there's like some sort of kind of purpose to the stories but I'm like I can't always tell what that purpose is supposed to be <laughs> yes you're like wait why this like right. is it just introducing don price as this like bully ringleader is i don't know but you could do it other ways so then there's mm-hmm. got to be more to it <laughs> yeah well and with the with the witch too or the quote-unquote witch the woman with the glass eye yeah um the whole kind of lore behind her is that if you look into her eye, then you can see your death. And I thought that was actually a very cool thing that they did in the book because, you know, he he sees in the eye how he dies. And then in the book, they have several different ways like, oh, this is so this is how it starts. And then it's the four, like you were saying, four different variations yeah. of how he potentially goes. Yeah. And I kind of love that they have that kind of play with oh he sees how he dies and then they that first initial story of saying this is how he dies you're like okay so now we know but then Uh they do it again and you're like wait so then now you've got 
yet more tall tales of a different way that he might have passed. And they do it a couple times in the book. So you never really know yeah. exactly which version is the actual version. They don't really call it out. If I if I'm not mistaken, do you remember if they actually call out which one's no, the real one? No, I'm no, I don't think so. But I just like realized I misinterpreted that. <laughs> oh no, no, I mean that's that's however you want to interpret it. That was just how I interpreted it. Is that you know, like all of his other stories, Edward has these fantastical outcomes to everything in his life. Which mm-hmm. why would that stop at his death? So it's, yeah. you've got all of these different variations of how he may or may not have passed on. But it, because he's kind of an enigma and has so much kind of mystery around his life, it's hard to know which is real. <laughs> yeah. I do think it. the last death one, though, that's when he takes them out of the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they like- go to the lake. Yeah, and so it has the most fantastical ending of the four scenarios that it feels like it must be the real one. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Edward. the thing is, though, it's like, yeah, it's the real one, but he turns into a fish at the end and swims away, and you're like, wait. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's still some amazing fantastical themes yeah. to the stories, but at the same time, it's like with somebody like Edward, I feel like there's no other way that you would really be able to have that go yeah like that's the way it should be for him because of how he's lived his life yeah I think there was there's part where the son is basically saying that like I'm trying to peel back these layers but this is just who he is like Mm -hmm. I don't need to get to know I think he kind of realizes that getting to know his dad is accepting that his dad Mm -hmm. is this versus like trying to make him serious um, and make him be someone he's not. Yeah. It's like, that would be a hard thing to do, but I think he starts to realize that. Yeah. Well, and that let's talk about that relationship. So do you, I guess, do you agree with how Edward handled his life with his storytelling versus like what his son was asking of him when he was on his deathbed? Like how did, because you had said you, that was like a really, that hit home for you, like that kind of dynamic. So what was your thoughts on that whole that whole relationship? Yeah, um, I thought that it would probably be incredibly frustrating um, to have a father that like didn't really ever give you a serious answer. Like it would be really fun for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe and I when can you're imagine, younger. Yeah, when you're younger <laughs> yeah. and like you know you're just kind of bouncing along. Um, but mm-hmm. as you got older and like like trying to go to him for advice would be so hard or like just going to him in a time of need it would probably feel like really not understood which is kind of what's happening in this book like his son is also having to deal with his father dying and how that affects him Edward can't move beyond it and so I kind of yeah, I I almost pity both of them because yeah. it's like he's so stuck in his ways that they're not going to be able to like overcome it. Mm-hmm. And they don't they don't really. They I mean, the end he kind of accepts and creates his own fantastical story of his dad like becoming mm-hmm. a fish. So there might be some of that like resolve, but he doesn't get everything he wanted or needed out of that relationship. Yeah, it it's it's really beautifully written um, for being such a like I, I don't know if subtle is the right word, but they don't really touch heavily on 
the dynamic. They they touch on it for sure, but I feel like that mm-hmm. is not really the focal point of the book, but you're still able to see the strain. You're still able to see that the son wants to know his father and he feels mm-hmm. like he doesn't know him and he's about to die and he's going to lose that chance of knowing his father. Mm-hmm. And they don't really like constantly bring it back into the forefront and I'm trying. I'm trying not to talk about the movie because it's a totally different <laughs> story. <laughs> but um, they still have that very palpable emotional like dread. It's like my father's going to die, and I don't know anything. About, I don't know if anything he's told me is real. Like I feel like I know everything about him, but know nothing at the same time because I can't tell what's reality and what's not. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the only person who can tell you that is his father and he he just doesn't want to admit that his life was quote unquote like everybody else's and so Mm -hmm. this is the outcome is he creates these magical stories because it makes him feel good but then you're kind of anybody who else is like i just want to know who you are Mm -hmm. he's like oh this is who i am it's like is it though like yeah it's it's hard to have that trust in there when you think that everything is just a big fairy tale because you don't want to admit what the actual reality is and it's very very powerful dynamic it is and yeah it just it it would become it would have so much strain of trying to get to know someone and it's not like all of edward's stories are basically him out of town so there's not even friends or like someone else to share in you know Mm -hmm. like when we share stories you know someone else and it feels more relatable and real and Mm -hmm. they'll interject and add their own things but there's none of that so it's really just this like omnipresent like storyteller who apparently is creating his whole world it seems like because you don't know any of that world yeah you've never experienced it yeah yeah and I also feel like there's a little bit of resentment there I mean maybe not a little bit it sounds like there's a fair amount of resentment Mm -hmm. due to like him not having trying to trying to have candid conversations with his father and not really having any success and then also all of these stories that happened to him like you said were not at home like Mm -hmm. none of these stories happened while he was with his son it all happened outside of the home so it's like he has all these amazing magical stories and all these great adventures that he went on without his family like his wife wasn't there either for most of it because it was either before he met his wife or a little bit during when he actually met the wife and then after like you know after they're married and he keeps like traveling around for work so all these things are happening with just him and he has this amazing world that he's built but it doesn't include his family Mm -hmm. for most of it which I think is really tragic that there's nothing for the son to really tangibly connect with because he wasn't there for like any of it yeah yeah and Like, all he is left with are these stories. Mm -hmm. And I think his dad says, like, you remember a man through his stories. But then, like, what happens when you start to forget those stories? Yeah. He'll have to keep telling him or write him down. So I guess that's why he's writing him down. Mm Because this is really all he has left of his dad are these things that he can try to get out. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, nothing tangible, though. Now they're words on paper, but still not, like... A combined memory right it's not the same as being there right mm-hmm. but I think that's like it is kind of a cool 
way to tie in, you know, when we think about early humans, there was no written language. Everything was done by talking and telling each other stories. And the way you remember your ancestors, the way you remember your people before you is you pass down stories, you pass down dances, you pass down traditions. Mm -hmm. So this storytelling is such a powerful piece of culture that it is really important to have these stories. And I feel like in this day and age, like for me personally, I feel like I connected with this story a lot because I don't really know my parents as well. Like, I don't know my parents before me. Like, Mm -hmm. everything I know about my parents is very much related to how they affected my life, how I grew up with them. But beyond that, it's like I I find out little random tidbits about what they were like when they were my age. And I'm like, you know, I don't really know my parents that well. I don't really know my ancestors that well. And I feel like that storytelling has really been lost Um, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, really tragic. Like, I always get very emotional with these kinds of plot lines because it's like, man, I just don't really know my family. And then I I go, I'm like, let's talk. Let's talk about this. Like, I want to know more about you because I feel like I haven't really been actively trying to see who you are outside of my parent, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin. You know, like, it's very linear. Yes. (sighs) And I, I wonder, like, if that, I think it's probably more prevalent, like, than I would think, but I would imagine that the United States has like an even bigger occurrence of that happening just because we've all come here for a reason. And a lot of people like while they connect, they also have tried to like move forward is the words that I'm going to use, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the exactly the words I want. Um, <laughs> they've all tried to kind of like create a, un- a new identity of sorts, right? Um, melting pot. And so yep. like, yeah, like we've, I don't know very much about any kind of like historical things or even my family. Um, I've tried to actually, when I was in Ohio recently, my nan did the whole tour thing where she drove around and pointed at stuff. And I was like, this is nice. so fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, tell me about what you're doing in high school and stuff. Cause yeah. I don't know any of this. Same as you. It was, you were, you were my Nana and this is like how I interacted with you um, yeah. for a while there. Yeah. And it, and that's the thing is as you get older, you know, you realize, man, there's like, there's things that I never thought to ask you. And then mm-hmm. it takes someone being on their deathbed to mm-hmm. kind of have that realization. And I think that's what makes this such a powerful mm-hmm. story is that, you know, William realizes that he's like, oh my God, this is the last chance that I'm going to have to really know my father. Yeah. And it it is a really heavy, heavy topic, but they juxtaposition it with all these like really kind of larger than life weird stories mm-hmm. in between the heaviness of this is a, a son trying to know his father and neither of them really are on the same page and it's like what do you do with this relationship like how do you navigate this with an actual like <laughs> this is a horrible way to say it but a deadline <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah. know like and <laughs> so it's ooh, it's so good though they they executed it so beautifully and i i love I love how they did it. It is a beautiful story. Yes, they really did. Like keep the keep it like light at times um while still like processing and dealing with these really heavier emotional topics. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I feel like it's really hard not to talk about the movie, so let's transition. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cuz <laughs> like I actually know the movie a lot better than the book. Uh I I've seen the movie many, many, many times and then I was like, I "Oh my god, I forgot this was a book." And so I recently yeah. read the book. And it's 
Yeah. So I'm like, it's hard not to be like, is that the book or is that the movie? Because I know the movie really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your, your memories start to kind of like slide together. Yep, yeah. But I'm like, oh, I can't remember if I'm talking about the right source or not. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll give a quick synopsis of the movie really quick. So uh, when Edward Bloom, played by Albert Finney, becomes ill, his son, William, played by Billy Crudup, travels to be with him. William has a strained relationship with Edward because his father has always told exaggerated stories about his life, and William thinks he's never really told the truth. Even on his deathbed, Edward recounts fantastical anecdotes. When William, who is a journalist, starts to investigate his father's tales, he begins to understand the man and his penchant for storytelling. Mm-hmm. So very similar kind of synopsis that you had read before I think that we'd already kind of touched on it and I was trying not to go that route but I think (laughs) that in the movie the strained relationship is one of the main focal points of the movie yes they really drive that as it's almost like to a a tipping point like Billy Crudup's character is really aggressive about it and he's extremely resentful yes yeah (laughs) and so I guess from your perspective, you had neither read the book or seen the movie before this, right? So this was all kind of right. fresh to you. So yes. what were I could talk about a lot of different things, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts on the movie was. Yeah, similar to you, I just remember like first scene, I was like, oh wow, like so much more hostile. Like I think one of the first scenes is the boat, right, with the engagement announcement, mm-hmm. um, and. That might not have been as early as I thought, but just from the get-go, I thought, uh, I think I could feel that tension a lot more. And I was like, oh, this kind of like paints all the rest of the stories in a darker light. Like um, in the book, it's, or, yeah, so movie. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that that tension, <laughs> yeah, like it paints kind of everything with that, that tinge, like that um, mm-hmm. filter. And... So yeah, that was like a big a big thing for me. Um, I also really just love Tim Burton style, so I you know. could see it through things. <laughs> Tim Burton um, is great. I love yeah. his stuff. His uh, like, older stuff is much better than his newer stuff, but I do. His style mm-hmm. is so unique, so specific, and this mm-hmm. was a great a great story for him to grab because it. It had his name all over it. <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. Like the town of Spectre. I was like, this is giving me like some Edward or um, no, it was when he has like the lawn mowing business. Oh, yeah. Like, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. I was like, this yep. is very Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, like the weird wacky pastels and then the, yeah, yeah. it's very, very <laughs> Tim Burton style for sure. I loved yeah. it. <laughs> yes. So that's always, that's always good. Um. Mm-hmm. And then I like don't know why I was thrown by this, but I was like, oh, Southern accents. <laughs> and it made it like even more perfect having the Southern accents. So yeah. like they just like have a good storytelling accent, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like the whole big fish thing makes sense. Like we went fishing and I got this big of a the, fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, which is such a cute way of kind of setting the tone of this entire story is intended mm-hmm. to be something that is fantastical because you're like, oh yeah, I once caught a fish this big. And you're like, yeah, sure you did. <laughs> sure you did. And yeah. that's the entire premise of the book, right? Which I yes. love that that's, that is the title. Cause like when you first at a glance, you're like big fish, like that doesn't, 
Like that doesn't make any sense. And then you think about, oh, Uh I see what you did there. Like I love that. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Like it's not just the big fish in a small pond like that Edward feels, but I mean, kind of similar um, metaphor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I just, they did tie, the movie tied in the theme of the fish really well. Like Mm, yeah, with the starting scene and the ending scenes and like, I felt like they made that a big just theme throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which helps like weave another thread to keep it all together, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I just, Tim Burton style, going back to Tim Burton, he mm-hmm. like did a good job of making everything. He makes everything fantastical. And so it was like perfect to have him make scenes even more fantastical. Like you could tell it was being a story told, even though like you didn't have that perspective of a storyteller. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I think that with the way that Tim Burton kind of delivers his stories and the way that the book was written, it was a really nice marriage of the two because it it felt like this could have been something that Tim Burton had thought up. Yeah. And it is, it, yeah, because it's like the Town of Spectre is a really good example. It's like this weird little hidden city in, a, in the middle of the, like, I guess, the bayou or something to that mm-hmm. effect. And everything's in pastels, but then later in the year, what later in the years when, you know, he comes back to Spectre and it's like all run down. Yeah. I mean, everything about it, it's like that weird, like kaleidoscopic color scene. And then you flip over two years later and everything's run down and everybody looks like they have insomnia with the black ring rings around their eyes and everything's I mean, it's like <laughs> Yes. It, it's so Tim Burton. And then also, I mean, Helena Bonham Carter is the witch character, and then she's also Jenny. And so <laughs> Yeah, everything about it is just it's so good. <laughs> yes, and I love seeing Helena be able to do like the two roles in a movie of mm-hmm. like starting of like I'm the innocent girl in the cabin in the swamp, mm-hmm. and then like the witch as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing that flip, yeah, and then also Ewan McGregor. It's just what the cast, the cast I itself, know. makes the, the movie cast. so amazing. I know Ewan McGregor. Who knew he could do a southern accent? I mean, I'm not I'm not myself southern, so I cannot speak to how authentic his accent right. is. So for all you southerners who are like, "Oh my god, it's the worst southern accent I've ever heard." Apologies. Yes. <laughs> it does it for me. I know. It's like we're we're silly Washingtonians. We don't know the difference between southern accents yes. and what's fake. Yes. Um, I will say uh, his southern accent seems to be better than his French one. So, <laughs> so we'll go, go with yeah. that. <laughs> Oh, you and McGregor. Yeah, it, <laughs> I I do love that they picked him for uh mm-hmm. for Edward's character because he is this cute little like farm boy feel. He's got this beautiful little smile, mm-hmm. and he's just so precious. And yes, and they really I feel like Edward's character in the movie was a lot more kind. Not devil may care, but he like the optimism in that character was so much more powerful to see embodied in a person like reading it is one thing where you're like oh you know I do things because it works out and everything will work out and you can read that but seeing that kind of confidence or arrogance or whatever you want to call it (laughs) (laughs) and on the screen and and also played by like this perfect picturesque Mm -hmm. just like tall glass of water kind of guy right and he Mm -hmm. just looks so cute and precious and handsome and they did a a good job of making him seem like perfect and picturesque. Yes. 
Yes. I love you, McGregor. Yeah. He's just adorbs. <laughs> oh, adorbs. I love him. Yes. And then on the flip side, you get, you know, the present day Edward, which is played by Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny that both of the characters that play Edward, neither of them are American. They're both European. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that, actually. Because McGregor is Scottish, and I'm, I believe Albert Finney Albert is Finney. British. That's so I'm funny. pretty sure he's British. So <gasps> you've got these two characters who play Southern characters, and neither of them are American. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> They're like, nope, they have the charm. Sorry. <laughs> well, and again, you keep coming back to Albert Finney has worked with uh, Tim Burton before. He was a voice in um, in Corpse Bride. He was oh. a father in the the cranky, short, fat father yeah. in Corpse Bride. So he's okay. worked. He's like he, he pulls the same people yeah, <laughs> over and over. Like Danny DeVito, he's worked with before. Albert Finney, he's worked before. Helena Bottom Carter, obviously, is in like every yes. movie he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he deals with a lot of the same actors. And I mean, yeah. work with what you know, right? I mean, he does yeah. a really good job and they don't know him. He knows them. And it's, it's good casting. I love it. It is so good. And yeah, and they all play it so well like jessica mm-hmm. lynch mm-hmm. <sighs> she's does so well she's also just beautiful i know god she's Dan- timeless yes dandy timeless. Vito is a perfect like circus master <laughs> i know <laughs> which is a character unique to the movie right yes yeah and so yeah. like yeah pull him in of course yeah. find a role for danny DeVito. yeah like a weird ring <laughs> ringleader slash werewolf yeah oh yeah <laughs> Great, like so, (laughs) Tim Burton. I love it. Yeah, it's like okay, we'll pull that in there. Don't know why that needs to be there, but I love it. Continue. Go on, go on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that too. Yep. I know, but I think that with um, obviously with like Tim Burton's style, and he goes to the same people over and over. Also, something that I wanted to bring up that is not technically related to the book, but just because (laughs) it's Tim Burton's film. Yes. uh, Danny Elfman did the music, which I am heartthrob in love with <laughs> Danny Elfman. <laughs> what has Danny Elfman done? He's done everything Tim Burton has done. Oh. <laughs> like he literally works with him almost exclusively. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he does like everything Tim Burton. So okay. anything that you could think of. He has yeah, done it. He's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> Danny Elfman is uh, like a, a fangirl over Danny Elfman. <laughs> like I am obsessed with him. It's so good. His music is wonderful and it's beautiful. And oh, uh, he's like, he is a god. I love like, him. <laughs> so diverse too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Literally look up any Tim Burton film. I guarantee 99% of the time it will be Danny Elfman who did the soundtrack. (laughs) I believe you. That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. Because they always have great music. It always has great music. It's so good. And I think um, with that, the theme that they have with the fish, the musical Mm. theme. Yeah. It is really beautiful and ethereal and it really kind of brings it, it. What's the word I'm trying to think of? It really um like grounds you to yeah. just having this like emotional connection through music with you know the the fish basically looks like you know Edward is considered to be the big fish so yeah that kind of I don't even I'm trying to remember like it's like a very, very pretty like strings and piano and it's like a very whimsical theme that you that kind of comes in and out you get like oboes and flutes and stuff that come in and out 
Yeah, but it oh, the music is so good. I could that's not what this podcast is for, but I can talk about that forever. <laughs> it's beautiful and I love it. And I yeah, it's it, it really helps tell the story because the whole thing is supposed to be this beautiful whimsy and the music just really sells it. Yes. God bless Daniel Elfman. The Ugh. music really does for the movie help kind of like break those moments of tension um mm-hmm. of of their like relationship and help bring in that whimsy like mm-hmm. you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, do you have any final kind of things you wanted to bring up about the movie or do we I mean I feel like we're we're right around that time where it's like well it's really hard to isolate when it's there's quite it a bit of differences between the two that I'm like I'm dying to talk about so yes yes <laughs> is there anything you want to kind of touch on before we kind of transition into that um no I think we covered everything and I just yeah I want to compare now <laughs> okay yes well let's do it so the comparison this is oh there's a lot of things about the book from my perspective having seen the movie a lot and then going mm-hmm. to the book I was like wow this format is so different mm-hmm. it because of the way that the like I was saying before like how the stories are isolated like this is a quote-unquote chapter if you even want to call it that like this is a segment a segment a segment and it almost felt like an anthology except it was like a chronological anthology Mm -hmm. but I mean I guess it's not technically an anthology because it's all about the same person but it's like different points of his life and it I don't know like it was a very different vibe yes yeah it 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 really starts from like the beginning of his birth right Mm -hmm. and it does like even more just like random offshoots of his life than Mm -hmm. the movie did. Yeah. And the movie definitely, you know, with a, with a film medium, it is a lot easier to have a kind of more seamless way Mm -hmm. to tell a story because the whole point is to be visual, right? So you can't chopping around, chopping around, chopping around. It's like, unless it's a mini series and you can do that episodically, it's really hard to do that in a film. So obviously they couldn't really, do it exactly the same as the book because the book is very easy to bounce around because it's yeah it's easy to do your brain's like yeah. oh now we're here okay moving on yes but they did such a good job with the movie to make it fluid but still be able to capture different points of edward's life and then bringing you back to present day and showing what's happening in real time yes um and I, yeah it's well, and then I guess like what what were your thoughts on the, the the relationship of the of Edward and William in the book versus the movie? Like, let's compare that. The book, it still felt like William like really respected his father and how the jokes were always there. He like was grateful that he was always able to laugh, that his father Edward always made him laugh and that mm-hmm. I don't know. He he seemed to have a like deeper appreciation for it while still wanting more yeah. than I feel like the movie um William did. I felt like movie William was like really just over it and um Yeah, really bitter. Yeah. A very different dynamic. I think that Billy Crudup's character he, there was so much resentment. Mm-hmm. And and like he had gotten past the kind of I guess, depression stage and went to the anger stage of his relationship with his father. Whereas in the book, I feel like it was more of a lament and he was trying to connect, but he wasn't angry per se. At least that's not the vibe that, yeah, that's not the vibe that you got in the book as much that, yes, he was upset that he didn't know his father, but he was trying to do it in a way 
for them both to understand. And he was trying to be kind of gentle about it, but forceful at the same time. (laughs) But with the movie, extremely forceful where he Mm -hmm. would like they and they they have a lot more kind of flexibility to show other parts of like still flashbacks, but not Edward's life of flashbacks. So like you were saying, the engagement party. Yeah. Where they have that argument. And he's like, that was the last time I talked to him for years. Yeah. Because they got into this, like, it's always about you. Everything has to revolve around you. Everybody's heard that story 500 times and you continue to make it all about you. And so kind of that dynamic is, you know, he's like, all you do is talk about yourself. You are so selfish and you never think about anybody else around you. So it's a very aggressive Mm -hmm. relationship. Yes. That really does not come through in the book at all. No. That that whole just anger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like because of how they portrayed that relationship and how broken it was in the movie, I feel like the end resolution I think was more poignant mm-hmm. because you have these two people who are just like they know nothing about each other like even though that's his father that's his son they really don't know anything about each other and he's and and like Albert Finney is like well I've told you my life I've told you everything about me like what else can I what else can I tell you that you yeah. don't already know and he's like yeah except it's not real and he's like is it though like I think it's real. So, you know, they just don't see eye to eye. They don't understand each other very well. But then the more that Billy Crudup's kind of like looks into his father's life, like he finds the, um, I think the notice that his mom got saying that he had died in the war. Yeah. And so like he starts finding these tidbits that he's like, huh. So I guess there is actually some truth to these stories. And I, they didn't really do that in the book where they, they had him kind of investigating his father's life. No, it was more just a retelling versus like, and I don't think he, they even mentioned that he was like a journalist or anything that no. was kind of, the, yeah, the movie kind of giving that a little more like leeway. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, they can investigate into these things. But yeah, and then it's fun at the end of the movie when like everyone's there and he gets to see like, oh, like you're all real people like the they weren't conjoined twins but they were twins and like yeah it shows again that like those stories were real ish and you know there's like truths in them Mm -hmm. um if not all truthful and him kind of realizing that at the funeral was really beautiful for me yeah I yeah I I really liked that scene where they're at the funeral because it it does kind of tie everything off of, you know, he, his father passes away and he's somewhat on good terms with him. I feel at that point, because they, they have that really beautiful, the final death scene where he turns into Mm -hmm. a fish and goes into the river and everybody's there wishing him a fond farewell, kind of like that whole scene was beautiful to watch. I loved how they did that. And that's actually very similar to the book. It's just the book had more Mm -hmm. variations, but that is one of the variations. Yeah. And, that whole sequence was beautiful. And then, you know, that kind of gets stuck next to the funeral and you see all these people and you're like, oh my God, they're actually mm-hmm. real. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they have, you know, the, the scene where after the, the service, everybody's talking to, their, to each other, but all you hear is music and you just see the conversations of these people happening. And it, it's like, everybody's laughing, everybody's telling stories and mm-hmm. It, it's a really beautiful moment. Like, I love how they did that. And I didn't feel that kind of like 
revelation or even elevation from the book. Yeah. The book, the way that it ends definitely doesn't like wrap up as it doesn't give as much like warm feelings. <laughs> um yeah, I feel like it's just more of a kind of a, a retelling than an actual like there's an issue at the beginning, we're going to kind of hash stuff out in the middle and then resolve it at the end. Like the the book is just like this is just stories. I'm just yeah. going to tell you stories about my father's life. I'm going to tell you kind of where it's at in reality and you kind of parse out the rest. But the movie yeah. de- definitely has like starting point, ending point, which most yeah. films yeah it's able to do more of the like bird's eye view of Mm -hmm. the sun on book ending like that a little bit more Mm -hmm. I will say I just thought of this the one thing that the books and the movies kept really similar was Dr. Bennett he was always there (laughs) yep Dr. Bennett also I I I should have looked this up I never remember this actor's name but he is the voice of Rafiki in The Lion King (laughs) oh really oh my gosh that is so wild yeah I love him he's great um I would have never guessed I know because he doesn't have anything like that yeah (laughs) yeah Dr. Bennett is great I do love how they portrayed him in both formats um very warm character very Mm -hmm. just knowledgeable very just kind of a nice little centering character of you know he is there at most of the points of the kind of heavier parts because he's yeah. a doctor. Yes. Um, I, I did like that. Uh, yeah. Not like the most crucial character, but definitely no, but- a prominent one. I felt like it yes. has, he had a presence in both stories and it's yes. like family friend. And yeah. Kind of was the initiator of a lot of the like final scenes of like, you need to talk to him. So kind of played that pivotal role of introducing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just, <laughs> one thing I thought of I hadn't even thought of that until you started talking about <laughs> everything else yeah <laughs> yeah I think that the movie had it was cool because there were definitely some stories from the book that when the movie the movie rendition I was like oh, okay I see where the movie got this now but a lot of the stories in the movie like Danny DeVito's character mm-hmm. does not happen at all like that nope. doesn't exist that's all brand new and then the the conjoined twins thing they're not actually conjoined in the book are they they i think they are but they were like um or it was two-headed i don't know if they were necessarily i feel like i can't remember now i should have i should have looked this up before we started but uh (laughs) i know that there's quite a bit of differences like he doesn't go to china during the war and yeah those twins are from japan like a geisha house mm-hmm. and not a circus like there's yeah. no circus at all yeah so very different like renditions but the the kind of like highlights are there and then mm-hmm. the um giant that he meets yes that that scene is kind of takeaways are there but it, some of it has drastically changed and then also like in the very beginning of the book his birth scene is extremely different Yes. Isn't there like a huge like rainfall, like the biggest that they've ever seen? And yeah, like they were in a drought for like weeks and weeks and there like wasn't a lot of food. And then the day he was born, the biggest storm cloud came out. And Mm -hmm. so everyone was outside and Mm -hmm. it rained. Yeah. But like in the movie, I think he just like shoots out. Yeah. It's like this crazy, like (laughs) he just literally like slides down the hall in the hospital. It's a bit more Tim Burton. (laughs) 
Oh. Yeah. We will just ignore the fact that somehow the umbilical cord was yes. not a factor. We'll just, <laughs> just ignore that. that. Was where I was like, that's how you know it's a story. No umbilical cord. <laughs> no umbilical cord. cord. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You had me until that umbilical cord wasn't in there. Now yeah. I can't tell like this. Now you lost me. <laughs> Up till then, I was following. <laughs> You can have fantastical stories, but damn it, you gotta have the medical know-how. <laughs> it's got to have correct body parts. Um, but give me werewolves any day. <laughs> the werewolves are cool. That's actual. That's real biology, Erin. <laughs> Just because you haven't seen him doesn't mean it doesn't exist, Grace. <laughs> I hear them how. I do. I, I can hear them. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> totally derailed. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> love it. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of um, – oh, yeah, and then that the werewolf scene, I guess kind of where that pulled from is he has the crazy wolf that comes into town in the book that starts eating all the chickens and the That's cats right. and, like, trying to eat children. <laughs> like, That's And right. he has to fight off the wolf and kill it. And it's like, wow, that's – I mean, I guess that's, like, that's where the wolf part came in, but it's nothing alike. <laughs> yeah, and they called it, like, his third job or something, which is really funny, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't – I was wondering. I Like – as I watched the movie, I tried to connect things to the book, mm-hmm. but like some of them were a little more abstract like that, yeah. where it's a little hard to like totally connect them, but I think right. You're right. I think that is where they grabbed that from. Yeah. I mean, very, very loosely, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and but the thing is, I don't think that it honestly detracted from the story at all. Like having these, I mean, it, it just kind of reiterated that these yeah. are all fantastical stories. They're all like absurd to think about in reality but at the same time it's very enjoyable mm-hmm. to to see these crazy stories in you know acted yes. out yes they and then they merged a couple of things which was like the town of specter they kind mm-hmm. of merged with the town when he left that you're supposed to leave through when you leave ashland yeah ashland right yeah yeah ashland, yeah it's like a town of people stuck they never kept going yeah. Um, and they kind of combined that with Spectre of like it being in the middle of the woods and like kind of hard to get to. Like Spectre mm-hmm. in the book kind of seemed more like a normal town that you could like find. Yeah. Spectre in the movie seemed much more like a weird little fan- fantasy pocket. Yes. And they like they come in and they have a big roster. And they're like, oh, you're early. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's like, like wait, what? what? Like a very weird vibe of like, how do you know when I'm supposed to be here? And it is a much yeah. more mystical little bubble mm-hmm. of a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all barefoot in the movie. Yeah. It's like all grass. Yeah. I mean, it looks beautiful. It was like, yeah. I'd love to be there for, you know, a weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, it's a little culty. What? A little, little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I love I love Steve Buscemi's character in that because yes. he's the poet who like went out to become famous like what 10 14 years ago yes and then he's written like four lines mm-hmm. <laughs> that entire time and he's like it's a work in progress <laughs> yes and it's like roses are red violets are blue ashland is great i think yeah or something it's, it's like, that. like <laughs> it's like it took you 14 years to write this yes <laughs> oh boy it's very weird weird character but you know super chubby's he's a weird guy so i 
<laughs> I know. I love him in almost anything he's in. Yep. So, yep. It's again, keep going back to casting. The casting is amazing. Yes. Tim Burton yes. nods off to you. That I mean, amazing casting. Yes. I mean, I feel like both of them are like the book and the and the movie are both beautiful storytelling, and they do such a distinct way of kind of depicting these stories. Yeah. And I I like them both, but for very different reasons. Like I'm a very I'm very biased with Tim Burton. I love his work, so it's hard mm-hmm. for me not to like gush all over it. But given the source that he pulled all that from, mm-hmm. he did a really good job. Like I I really like how the book was kind of laid out, and it he did a good job. Yeah, I think so too. And like for Tim Burton, he could have been even more over the top and. I think that not going that far kind of like helped stay also like kind of stay true to the original book of being mm-hmm. like exaggerated but and definitely not real but not like so obviously unreal that you know like seeing unicorns or something <laughs> yeah you know like there was always that kernel of truth and so he depicted that well it is fantasy-esque but not to mm-hmm. the point of it being like, we're not in Lord of the Rings, right? You, yes. You're not able to yeah. be like, oh, this is all a story. It's fine. This is just like mystical storytelling. But this was like, the truth was laced so closely with, not lies, but embellishment. Mm-hmm. That it yes. is hard to to tear it apart and figure out like, where does the truth start and end? Mm-hmm. And that, again, kind of comes back to the relationship of the father and son where it's like, you know, tell me one true thing about yourself and he's like everything i've told you has been true he's like yeah no like (laughs) there's no way that this is real like no one would believe this yeah like i i live in the real world dad like i don't Uh there's no way that this is real and that kind of angst keeps coming back because he's like i want to believe that there's more to you than just lies Mm-hmm. which is how the son interprets it. Yeah. Um oh this just made me think how so a big difference in the movie was that uh William has a wife and she's expecting. Oh that's right. So there is no wife in the book. They don't yeah. really talk about, you know, it's really like kind of Edward and William and and they don't really talk about the mom too much, so like mm-hmm. it's really just the two of them. But what did you think of the the wife's character in the movie? It's interesting, like, she kind of provides that fresh outside perspective for him of being like, your father's stories are fun, which might frustrate him even more. There's also that scene with his girlfriend when he's younger where her, his dad is telling the story, and it's just like, his dad's just always telling stories, and everyone's fine with it, and he's like, but I want something real. Um, I don't know. I feel like her character was not super like pronounced for me if she wasn't in the movie it probably would have worked out Mm -hmm. so yeah I think for me the the wife I feel like without her character I feel like Billy Crudup would have been a lot more curmudgeonly I Mm. think that she kind of grounded him and pulled him back to try and kind of not explain to him but kind of try to bring another perspective of yeah. her, like of his father to him because you can tell like he's extremely frustrated he just mm-hmm. wants something real and he wants to like again that theme is in both sources like he just wants to know his father before he dies yeah and so he's very hurt by it he's really upset and angry about it 
And she's kind of the middle ground where she's like, I don't have this emotional attachment like you do. So I'm able to kind of see this from a different perspective. And she's able to bring him back to a center so that he's not just like out of control raging all the time, essentially. And I think it kind of humanizes the relationship. It's like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I feel like him having a partner was not necessary, but having somebody to confide in because he felt like he can't talk to his own father, I think humanized the character more for me. Yeah, and it provided a good balance to how they like set up how much tension was there. If yeah. yeah, without the character, they would have had to like tone that back probably without it getting like too stifling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does do that and she does provide that like balance for him and like moment of respite whenever he's like getting too worked up about it mm-hmm. or feeling really anxious about it. Yeah, I think it was it was a nice touch. I don't think it was necessary. But I think that it did kind of help mellow out his overall tone so that it wasn't just, you know, toxic masculinity of him like, I don't know my dad and you suck. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it helped kind of soften that. And that actually also made me think of another, maybe not a softening response, but in the movie, he actually goes and tracks down Jenny. Right. Like that none of this tracking down stuff never happens at all in the book. It's just we tell a story, we talk about reality, we tell a story, we talk about reality. Nothing really leaves that yeah. circle. And so him going and talking to Jenny again kind of humanizes his father because he's finally getting a somewhat real story from somebody who really did know him when yep. he was his age. Yes. Um so what were your kind of initial thoughts on that? In the movie, they do make it seem like his younger father is there. And so it is like more of a window to the past in the movie. Because in the book, it's his dad. His dad's like 40 when he goes to Spectre and meets Jenny. And so it's still his past self, but like still his self while his son was alive. And so it is nice that in the movie that there's like that connection. It's similar to how he's able to get that those windows in with like finding the slip from his mom that they did think his father died and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah it was interesting to see like how they tied that into the present more so than in the book Mm -hmm. yeah because jenny's character you know the whole kind of tension with her character is they they never really come out and say it until billy credup comes and meets her but the assumption is like did he like have a whole nother life with mm-hmm. her? Like they heavily allude to, you know, this is his mistress that he kept coming, like fixing up her house, kept coming back year after year. Yeah. And so that dynamic and then, you know, Billy Crudup is assuming he's like, I don't, I mean, he would be gone for months and months at a time. So who's to say that he doesn't have a family in every city, you yeah. know? And so this kind of solidifies that he comes and finds – because he finds the deed to her house, right? Because he he owns the deed. Yeah. Does he own it in the movie too? Yeah. Okay. Because he buys Spectre to save it. So he has the deed to her house and so then Billy Crudup finds the deed and then, you know, goes to the house and, you know, he he flat out asks like, were you having sex with my father? Like, were you mm-hmm. his mistress? And she's like, wow, okay. We're <laughs> yeah. We're not gonna pussyfoot around it at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I like that he didn't cheat on his family. I like that they gave him 
and out of being, you know, like I'm a, I still don't agree with that relationship. I think that was like borderline. It's like you're paying for another person's house. You're like providing a lot mm-hmm. of things that you would not just provide for anybody. Like I feel like yeah. fine line of like, I don't know if that was appropriate. Yeah. Especially when you know she has emotions for you and there is emotional attachment with this transaction. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It was a very yeah. sticky line. Yeah. The movie tried to do like kind of make that like line a little thicker. They tried to like have a more like, we're going to make this better than mm-hmm. the book. Cause I thought the book, um, it was definitely more like that line was crossed and they were definitely having a relationship. Yeah. Cause they talked about like, he was the, they were in love and like how the t- town talked about how they were in love and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. which wasn't so much the case in the movie. Yeah, and it's – yeah, so then at that point, you know, it's – Ewan McGregor is the focal point. So, again, we come back to the cute little, like, farm boy effect where he's just a sweet guy and just wants to help out. And so they've got kind of that innocence there. But then at the same time, it's like it's very clear that his presence has effect on people. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves him. And that's one of the biggest drives of why Billy Crudup is like, I – hate that everybody loves you Mm -hmm. and no one can see that your life is a lie and that's kind of like the interpretation and this is this kind of like rolls all that in where it's like he's just the sweet little guy that wants to help everybody out and then it's Mm -hmm. like you've got this relationship with jenny that it's like this is yeah this is crossing the line of like yes you can be nice to people but where (laughs) where does that line get crossed you Uh know until you start getting into like are you cheating on your family? What's the outcome of this relationship? Like, where is this supposed to go? It's, ugh. yeah. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, and then they show how, like, it doesn't end well because mm-hmm. she creates a swamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she's the one that creates it, not nature. <laughs> she's a witch after all. Yes, she's the witch. Um, yeah, and it's funny, too, because, the like, that happens, and then at the end of the movie, you see Jenny again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she comes to the funeral mm-hmm. um, as not a witch, not a yeah, as Jenny. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and like in the book, the whole town of Spectre kind of like cr- starts creating myths, and they like all call her a witch too. Mm-hmm. And so there's that like I don't know they I feel like they kind of merged that with the other scene of the witch. Yeah, I thought I had a thought about that that. So in the book, because it jumps around, but it is somewhat chronological, Mm -hmm. I was actually wondering at some point, because I was actually comparing it to the film at the same time, that Mm. it seemed like the way I extrapolated it was that Helena Bonham Carter plays the witch and she also plays Jenny. But then Mm -hmm. like as she gets older and kind of secludes herself in her house, they start calling her the witch. So in my mind, I'm like, is his interpretation of the witch... And then his interpretation of Jenny over the years, like, is is it the same person, but he's kind of extrapolated two different sides oh, of her yeah. and two different stories because he wasn't telling these stories when he was a child. He's still telling them when he's an adult. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, it was something that I was thinking about, especially because Helena Bonham Carter plays both of those characters. I, the- yes. It made me confused. I was like, is this supposed to mean something? Yeah. Like, that she's both characters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they do have a correlation because it's the same house that mm-hmm. she lives in. 
very bayou, old school feel. And then also they they have the whole representation of the town calling her a witch, but she's not anywhere near that age. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Again, it could be just Tim Burton being Tim Burton wants to it put could. Helena Bonham Carter in his movie as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not to say that's not possible. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I thought that was an interesting choice. And especially mm-hmm. when you look at just how Edward Bloom's stories relate to reality. Like mm-hmm. it, he bends a lot of things. So I was, yes. I don't know. I just thought that was, that was kind of how I interpreted it. Yeah. I like that interpretation. I wanted like some sort of connection to be there. So <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it's, both of them are beautiful stories and I think that they did they both did good jobs in their own way of capturing like a really poignant topic of getting to know your family getting to know people who are close to you and storytelling is a huge part of that whether Mm -hmm. it's happening or not Um, and I think it is kind of a beautiful dynamic even if, if the movie is strained that resolution at the end I think really made up for that and I love both of the stories for having different perspectives on a relationship like that yeah it's it's beautiful i love it it is beautiful (laughs) well miss grace oh thank you so much for talking to me about this this was so lovely i love chatting with you it was a blast yes i'm so glad (laughs) you could be here before we sign off um is there anything that you would like to highlight are you reading anything are you experiencing everything anything what are what are you doing um i've been reading a lot of free romances on an app called radish so if you want some free (laughs) free romance that's where you should go (laughs) and i am not sponsored by radish we are just shouting out (laughs) (laughs) are you reading anything in particular right now or are you just kind of bouncing around oh no they're all really short so it's like you can read it within a couple days and kind of move on nice are they like bodice busters or are they just like fun romance or what is a bodice buster oh they're like the really steamy like stereotypical 30s 40 year old women who just need like a little sexy pick me up in a book you never heard that like that like yeah no I love that yeah a lot of you can kind of find everything really so you can find like your supernatural romances if that's what you're into or like there's a lot of like CEO billionaire categories that I like get really annoyed with so I stay away from those but if that's your jam go for it um yeah you some are like more innocent and some are like real graphic so you can really find whatever you want (laughs) wonderful love it love it great well thank you for that I'm gonna have to check this out I do need me some weird good romance stories I feel like I've been neglecting that part of my reading like yeah it's a good fantastic it's also fantastical sometimes so (laughs) i love it great well thank you again so much for being on the show with me today it was a joy as always to talk with you thank you for having me it was fun reading and watching big fish (laughs) yes i'm so glad you liked it and thank you to all of my listeners we are so happy you could join us and we will see you next time thanks all right i love that (laughs) 